today on the Illini Enquirer podcast. I catch up with Stephen Bardo, flying Illini guard and a longtime college basketball broadcaster. I actually catch up with Stephen about his broadcasting career, kind of go in depth about his journey, what he's learned, and yes, some criticism, including from you Illini fans. I know some uh, voice their displeasure about Stephen Bardo, some enjoy Stephen Bardo. Uh, and I talked to him about that and how he takes that uh, and how he talked to one prominent really good broadcaster about how to deal with that from your own fan base. So I thought it was a fascinating conversation. Then we dive into Illinois, what he thinks of this 2022-23 Illinois squad, what they need to do uh, to hit their ceiling and get into the second weekend of the NCAA tournament. And you might feel pretty good about Stephen Bardo after what he has to say about this team. And I also kind of take a step back and ask him about Brad Underwood and his tenure and what he thinks of Brad Underwood uh, as a coach here so far. So it was a fun conversation. I was enjoying uh, catching up with Stephen. I hope you enjoy it too. So without further ado, here's Stephen Bardo coming up next on the Online Choir podcast. All right, happy to get this guy on. Really appreciate his time and love his career and uh, the arc he's taken and obviously a proud flying Illini, as you can see. In his background there, if you're watching here on YouTube, Stephen Bardo, thanks for joining me, man. How are you? I'm doing great, Jeremy. How you doing? Uh, doing fantastic. Uh, you've gotten in on the YouTube craze here, I know. Uh, how's that part going for you? It's going well. Um, you know, I watch you guys and, and you know, the growth of your show and, and how you're able to utilize a platform. So, uh, you know, I, I wish I, you know, in hindsight, I wish I would have started on YouTube as opposed to Facebook, but I'm an old head. And the, the old heads are on Facebook. So, but it's been a fun journey. Yeah. Stephen, I, I want to ask you about your broadcasting career first before we dive into uh, your, your thoughts on Illinois basketball right now. But, you know, you see guys like you, Hummel, uh, the rest of the crew, just this is a pretty crazy time. I know it's probably a fun time for you guys traveling across the country, but what's your typical week like as a broadcaster? Um, it, it, it varies. Uh, but there are weeks where I have, uh, four or five games. Um, you know, the networks have done a better job in recent times, especially after COVID of trying to keep guys as regionalized as possible. Um, Robbie, Fran Fischilla, um, Jay Billis, obviously there's, there's not a, a ton of guys that will go nationally anymore. Um, you know, I, I go, I'm sure when we go UCLA and USC coming to the big 10, Hopefully I'm still working with the networks that, you know, we'll be going coast to coast then, but that's within one conference. But generally uh, I'm, I'm in the Midwest uh, traveling mostly by car, sometimes by flight, uh, but it's a grind and, you know, you, you're getting to shoot arounds, you're, you're getting to the games and you got to hustle out of the arena because you got to get to the next venue or you're trying to get home and get in your own bed to get a few nights rest in your own bed. When did you know this is what you want to do, Stephen? At what point in your, your playing career did you know, I want to go do this? I was fortunate, Jeremy. I figured out what I wanted to do in high school. Um, I wanted to be an electrical engineer in high school. I loved uh, engineering. And I took chemistry, and it didn't work. I, I just It was foreign <laughs> language to me. My dad uh, gave me some great advice. He said, you know, you love sports. You like to run your mouth. And he walked out of the room and I didn't know what he was talking about at first. I sat and thought about it. I was like, oh, he's, he's talking about sports casting. And so I was very fortunate that that's what I studied in at University of Illinois and then was able to do some uh, internships while I was playing professionally and then had a, had a break. Uh, Ron Gunther, former athletic director of Illinois, um, 
offered me the position at Illinois radio and I jumped at it. Yeah. What were those days like, Stephen? Because you're on some of the calls that they probably still play uh, from, from the 04 or 05 team. Um, what was your time like with, with Brian Barnhart? And uh, what would you learn while you're doing that? You know, the, the, the best thing, I think, for people that are trying to get into television is to come through radio first. Because especially as an analyst, you have to be very concise and succinct with what you say. And so, you know, starting with Jim Turpin and Lauren Tate was on the radio and we would uh, call games and do certain things. And it took a while to get the rhythm because it was, you know, I, I would wait till the bucket was made and I'd try to jump in before the ball got to half court. And then Jim would have to take it back over. Uh, and then working with Brian Barnhart, I believe he's one of the more underrated guys in the business, seriously. And uh, it was fun to work with him and, and get the rhythm with him. And we call some great basketball games. And so, um, you know, I, I really uh, ch cherish that radio experience because it really helps me in television. Is the hardest part of that, as you said, be concise? Like mm -hmm. you hear some guys come into there and they just say, try to say everything. Uh, and they kind of talk over the play about how difficult is that to, to learn, to, to be concise, but to be, I guess, punchy, like say something in just uh, five seconds, 10 seconds. You know, it's, it's just like hooping. Uh, it, it's practice. And, you know, you get a chance to, you know, I, I had some media training when I messed up on CBS2 Chicago. They brought me in. Dennis Swanson, great Illini uh, uh, alum, was running the networks. And he brought me in to CBS Chicago with no sports reporting experience. I did a live shot and was terrible. I was terrible. It was the Eddie Curry trade when he got <laughs> traded to the New York Knicks. I was terrible. And... CBS sent me to Dallas for media training and that media training was some, one of the best things that ever happened in my career because I still utilize some of that training today. So I was fortunate in that I didn't lose my job and that I got the necessary training that I needed, but I also got a ton of reps with Ray, Illinois radio and then doing a sports reporting with CBS before I went to ESPN. So, so you've worked for some of the top networks here, right? ESPN, Fox, BTN. Mm -hmm. What's the key to longevity? in this business being a great teammate you know you, you you gotta you gotta check your ego at the door um i always say the the integrity of the telecast comes first the fan at home or the fan that's listening to you they come first and so whatever you have to do to bring them the best listening or viewing experience um i just you know and it was easy for me jeremy because i'm a point guard you know, I wasn't the, the number one scorer. On, I was in high school, but in college and pros, you know, a lot of times I was a support guy, I was a setup guy. And so that was easy for me to check my ego at the door. Sometimes it's more difficult for guys to do that. But for me, it's never been difficult. And I just try to always work within the team concept. And I'm, I'm, a, I'm a studier. I'm a voracious reader. And I try to learn from other people's mistakes instead of doing them all myself. Who's like your, uh, your biggest mentor? In this, Clark, in this field, Clark Kellogg, he was uh, wonderful to me, reached back out, uh, shared some insight. I, whenever I want to do an interview, he's always there. Um, he was really great. Dick Vitale was really good to me as well. Uh, gave me great insight, um, uh, you know, and no one can follow Dickie V. But the thing that Dickie V did was allowed everybody to find their own level, find their own style. And so those guys are really uh, key for my growth. 
it seems like Stephen, I, I see you uh, on social media kind of share your tips to, to aspiring broadcasters. It feels like, cause I, I feel this way. I had a couple people in my life, whether it was mm-hmm. Brett Dawson or Paul Klee, give me really good advice growing up. And I've, I've always kind of wanted to pay it forward. It seems like that's important to you too. It is Jeremy. And I, I come from a background of educators. My dad was an educator at SIU um, professor and admi- he was in administration. And so I'm always a glass half full guy. I don't worry about competition in the marketplace because I'm a worker. I'm a grinder. And so I think that I'm one of the best in the business, if not the best. And so I work to stay in that position. So anybody that I can help coming through, you know, I try to give them as much information as I can. So whenever you put yourself out there in this business, Stephen, um, people are always going to have opinions on what you do and how you do it. How do you handle that? I was terrible at first, Jeremy. I, di- I didn't. I didn't like the criticism. I didn't like Twitter. Um, it's hard, and, man, right? Yeah, and, and you know because we're all human and we want to be liked. We want people to respect what we do. But the thing that I had to learn is that if you don't have distractors, you may not be doing your job because you can't. You can't uh, serve everybody. You can't. You can't be everything to everyone. And so for me, finding my voice, finding who I am. I've learned to embrace those people because here's a tip for people that's listening. If you have somebody that doesn't like what you're doing, if you address them a certain way, they end up becoming a fan. I've had this happen a number of times. And if you don't, if you take yourself out of being a a personal attack rather than it being a subjective situation for them, maybe it's something that you did and I've learned from people who have criticized my work because maybe I was doing something incorrectly or I was maybe I was going to a catchphrase too much. And so once I got out of my emotions and kind of listened to what they were saying, sometimes I get constructive criticism from it. And other times I, I gain fans as a result. Yeah, no, I, I agree. Um, you take it all in and then you realize, OK, what's what's fair, what's right. accurate and what's right. just ridiculous. Right. Exactly. And then you, you try and, and grow from that. Um so, Steve, like, what do you aspire still to do in your broadcasting career? You know, I, I think that I would like to be able to do this uh, for a while. I don't know exactly how long because obviously we don't make that decision. I often, when I see other broadcasters or whatnot, they say, you know, how are things going? I say, well, they're still calling me because <laughs> one day they're going to stop calling. Yeah. And so, uh, you know, I'm having the most fun this year than I've ever had in my career. And so I hope that I can maintain this mentality, love the grind, love the work, try to build the online piece like you, like you're doing. Yeah. Um, and then hopefully build something that maybe at some point can pull away like Brent Musburger, for example, doing the network out in Las Vegas that that's a, revolves around gambling. He loves that stuff. Yeah. And that's a, that's a golden parachute for him. And so hopefully uh, maybe Bartles breakdown on online can be something that I can transition to when people no longer want me on the networks. Steven, I want to ask you this too, and I, I will give you another chance to plug that later on. Um, I'm an Illinois grad. You're an Illinois grad. Mm-hmm. Some people wonder how you kind of put aside that when, when you're doing your job. So I've explained it to people, but for you, how, how do you do that? Especially when you played for Illinois, you know what, Jeremy, I'm about checks. And when people are cutting checks, that's that's who I'm. That's my team. Uh, I'll always be an Illini, and I I always will bleed orange and blue. I don't think there's any question about that. But 
I developed a, an ability, an uncanny ability, young, young when I was young in this career, that if my child was on the floor, I could objectively call the games if my son was playing or both of my sons were on the floor. I don't know where I picked that up, but I got that early on, and it's really served me well. Not to the uh, to the liking of Illini fans all the time, <laughs> and that's okay because, you know, people are still – they're watching. We've got one of the most – passionate fan bases in the country so it comes with the territory right but I've, I've i got that ability early in my career i think i would credit dan steer who used to be the coordinating producer at espn used to be the nbc sports president um he's in consulting now he really challenged me early in my espn career he would put me on illinois iowa games or illinois like michigan games just to see if I could be down the middle because he knew that that would be a key for me being in a big 10 and a voice of, of, of big 10 basketball. So it, it was very helpful. Yeah. One, I think it's natural to just do the job, right? You start seeing yes. like you, you can admit the flaws you have to, if you want to do this job. Um, but also it just, it, it becomes part of you. I like, guess you don't root against them or anything like that, but it's just to do this job, you kind of get detached. You lose a little bit of your fandom, yep. right? But yep. I'm sure that could return at, at certain points if you're if you're not doing the job. Well, it it, it does, and you know I, I will I'll give you this example. Robbie Hummel has become one of the best uh, color analysts in the business. I mean, he's right up at the top. And Robbie called me last year. I, I was in Maryland. I can't remember where he was. He had just finished doing a Purdue game, and this dude was crushed <laughs> by the way that the people were coming at him. And I said, Robbie, you got to give yourself a, a cooling off period. You can't jump on Twitter right after the game. You, you just got to leave Twitter alone right after the game. Give yourself a few hours. Give yourself, you know, maybe a night. And if Robbie Hummel, as good as he is, if he was be feeling crushed by criticism from his own fan base, Robbie has a magical career with a plain career, and now a broadcast, he's, he's had a magical run. If he's affected by it and he's criticized, then heck, all of us are going to be subject to criticism at some point. Well, Stephen, I know you do pay attention to this Illinois team, obviously covering the Big Ten. You've covered some games this year. Mm -hmm. uh, this team has been nothing but interesting <laughs> throughout, right? Um, but they've won seven of eight. They've bounced back from a bad December. What have you made uh, of the first 22 games for this Illini team? I think that Brad Underwood has had to really grow through this process. This is probably unlike anything he's ever been through. Um, the experience at halftime of the last game when he came out with seven minutes left and nobody else was out there um, was indicative of how difficult this season has been for them. But with that being said, you just referenced seven of the last eight. Illinois is the most talented team in the Big Ten. I don't care what anybody says. A lot of people think Indiana. Some people think Purdue. Illinois is the most talented team in the league. And if they can put this together, which it seems like they're doing, they could have a, a pretty good run. I don't know how deep because you got Jay Nepps at the point guard. He's, he's been outstanding. I love his game. Uh, but when you have freshman point guards trying to get deep into a tournament situation, that can be iffy. But I think that they – are a team that's uh, gelling at the right time. Brad's teams generally gel in February and start to come on strong. 
Uh, they've got a brutal stretch coming up, so we'll find out. But I, I like the I like that they're trending upward. This team turned when it lost a player, right? Sky Clark leaves. All of a sudden, they start this run. What have you seen as the reasons behind that? You know, I, I think that um, Sky Clark was a – let me preface it. I, I think he was a troubled young man, not that he was a bad kid because he's he was supposedly a great young man uh, in the locker room. But he had some outside influences that maybe made things difficult on him and maybe made things difficult on the coaching staff because I think they were hearing from his people quite a bit. So when you take that element out and you couple that with a 3 a.m. meeting – that the team had after one of their losses, you, you clear the air and you, you almost have a reset. And so now you have a reset guys on the same page. Brad Underwood goes back to being, you know, really strong, stern, hard in practice. And now these guys start to, to figure out, okay, we can be really good. We've got to develop some consistency in different areas of the, of the, of, of the floor. And so I don't know if they would have been able to do that with the presence of Sky Clark still there uh, based on all that was going around that young man. But Brad Underwood told me in the, in the preseason, he said that is a, as good a young man as you're going to find talking about Sky Clark. So it was an unfortunate situation for him individually, but it was a great situation for the team because I don't think it was the only reason, but it was part of the reason that they were able to get on the same page. And it just feels like everyone's kind of knows their role now. Like, yeah, I mean, Sky wasn't playing all that well. I think we can say right. that, especially defensively. Uh, but one less ball handler, like now, it just feels like everyone's settled into their known roles. And how important is that for a team? Oh, it's huge because when you've got nine new players on a, on the squad and you go into foreign situations, see, they, you know, you Illinois has not been to Indiana yet with this group. They've not been to certain road venues. They haven't been to Carver Hawkeye yet. And so there's going to be different things that happen. Like, for example, they go to Wisconsin. Shannon gets in foul trouble early. He's a non-factor. So Dane, Dane Danger carries him in the first half, and then Matthew Meyer gets hot in the second half. So now they've got that experience to where they know, okay, if Terrence gets in trouble, we know where to go. But they may not have known that until they go through that scenario. So they're going to go through these types of scenarios through the season, but as they do – Terrence and Matthew are going to be able to get the most shots. Ty Rogers is going to come off as being a, a guy that can defend one through four and be one of your best rebounders and setup guys. Sincere Harris is going to dog the point guard, going to give you great energy. Jay Neps is going to catch the ball late in the shot clock. He's getting to the bucket. Uh, Coleman Hawkins is going to do a little bit of everything. And so now these guys are starting to understand where their shots are going to come from, how many minutes they're going to play, and what they're – what the coaching staff expects of them each and every night. What do you think the key, Stephen, is to what every Illini fan wants, which is a a week in the NCAA tournament followed by another week, right? Like having that week to bask in going to the Sweet 16, potentially making a run. Like what is the key to Illinois getting to the second week? Defensive intensity and sharing the basketball. Because when you've seen this Illini team – when they start out defensively aggressive uh, and they and the ball is moving, it's not sticking and they're not playing hero basketball, they're a difficult team to beat because they've got so many weapons. I mean, I haven't even mentioned R.J. Melendez. 
and he might have had one of the plays of the year at Wisconsin when the Badgers was trying to make a run. Those are the type of things, that type of depth and the, the flexibility that the team has. If they can hang their hat on the defensive end and they can share the basketball, I, I think they're a second weekend team. I really do. I think they have, they have the, as good a chance to advance in the tournament as Purdue does, in my opinion, because I've seen Purdue uh, – I've seen a team in Maryland that gave them problems. I saw a team in Rutgers that was able to beat them in Mackey Arena. There's certain intangibles that those two teams possess that Illinois possesses in spades. And so I think that this is a team that if they can get solid and consistent on the defensive end and continue to share the basketball, I think those are the two keys that you can see in the Illini team in the second weekend and possibly in the Final Four. You mentioned Brad Underwood earlier about how this has probably been a challenge for him, but he, he, you know whether he should have gone with the offense and defense he started with uh, to begin the season, uh, we can debate. But he, he's flipped the switch, right? With this team, he's made the adjustments, uh, and he does this every year. Six years of Brad Underwood now. Um, Illinois is the best Big Ten record during the last four years. I know Purdue's yeah. starting to to make a run of them. So, from your perspective, Stephen, what, what makes Brad Underwood uh, a successful coach at Illinois? I think he develops trust in the players at an early stage of dealing with them. He's got a really good way of relationship building. And so he's going to be cool with you, but he's not your friend. He's going to support you and hug you, but he's not your parent. And so he can hold you accountable and he can really get after you because the players know that he loves them. But he's got he's got a very good way of keeping things uh, the main thing, the main thing, if you know what I mean, Jeremy. Yeah. So he's like, look, I'm going to help you develop inside of our team concept. I'll get you to where you want to go inside of what we're trying to do as a team. And I think he's able to get that across the players in this NIL era that's so difficult to get guys on the same page. Somehow – He's able to communicate with the guys, look, I know that you want to be at the next level. This is what NBA scouts are saying. We can incorporate a little bit of that into what we're doing, but if we win, all ships rise when the team wins. And so I think he's able to maybe get that across to his players better than a lot of other coaches around the country. And he's done it with so much different personnel. If you remember, he was coming in pressing – Uh, just going crazy and then he switched up and you know he's been able to adjust and you know he's been very successful at it uh steven i i got one last question for you uh but i do want to give you a chance uh to pub bardo's breakdown there what what are you doing there and how often can people get you there uh thank you jeremy for that for this opportunity i i try to go at least once or twice a week and then i've started to really focus on illinois and what they're doing because i think people like that type of insight, especially our fan base, because they can't get enough. Uh, right. If you watch, if you if you're on Twitter and you see Jeff Goodman and the Field of '68, they talk about Illinois every day because you know our fan base is rabid as much as any any fan base in the country. And so I think that there there's a there's a business aspect to that from my uh, perspective, mm-hmm. but there's also that's a way for me to be objective about my alma mater and talk about the school that I love and the place that, you know, I wore the Jersey and I, I, I take great pride in my 
ex-wife is an Illinois graduate. My oldest son is an Illinois graduate. So, you know, I not only played there and attended there, I invested back within my family. So um, being Bartles breakdown and the flying Illini breakdown gives me an opportunity to talk Big Ten basketball outside of Big Ten Network and Fox, get a little bit deeper, a nice little fan interaction because the people that are on Bartles Breakdown tribe, they love it. They love the fact they can go back and forth. Uh, and so it's just, it's new media. And it's a, it's a way for me. I'm always an entrepreneurial mind. I, I'm always trying different things. But this seems to be the thing that has really, you know, tickled my fancy. And I really enjoy it. Well, guys, go check it out. It's really, really good stuff. Uh, I've been checking it out here recently. Uh, Steven, before I let you go, you're in the league for a little bit. I know you probably wanted to be in there a little bit longer, but what's, what's your best NBA story? Give me a good one. Whether it's uh, David Robinson, you played with Derek Harper, oh, Jim wow. Jackson, Grant Hill, Joe Dumars. Wow. You got a league story for me? Godly, that's a great <laughs> question. Let me let me think. I don't think um, I've ever asked you about your NBA career. And Oh, you know what? Um, I was in San Antonio, um, had a few coffee breaks with San Antonio with David. Ro- it was a it was a fantastic team. David Robinson, Antoine Carr, Sean Elliott, Avery Johnson. And I don't uh, know if the kids these days know what kind of freak David Robinson was. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. No, that's a great point because I'm trying to think who would think um, Clint Capella with a whole lot of offensive game. That 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 would be David Robinson, but. David was even faster, more athletic, and he was built like, you know, Adonis in terms of his, <laughs> his build. Um, but I remember um, my wife at the time, I was in training camp, and Willie Anderson had a Porsche, and Larry Brown was the head coach at the time. And so my best friend, Todd, was at the hospital. He was informed to call the San Antonio Spurs office to let them know that uh, my wife at the time had gone into labor. And so uh, Larry Brown comes on the court and he's got this big smile and he's approaching me. He said, Hey, he said, Hey man, your wife went to labor. I'll see you later. Hustle, hustle home. So I had to, I'm trying to figure out how to get to the airport. Willie Anderson throws me the keys to a Porsche. I'm flying through the interstate in San Antonio, get to the airport, fly to Atlanta. I walk in and Stephen Paul was, he, he had been born about 30 minutes earlier. And so I'm looking, I'm in the nursery looking and he's the biggest thing among all these babies. <laughs> and he smiled. I thought he was smiling. I was like, Oh, he's smiling at me. And this lady says, no, honey, that's gas. <laughs> I was going to say that he poop. <laughs> yeah. She said, no, honey, that's gas. He's, he's not smiling at he's That's letting gas out. So that, that's, that, that was a good story there. Yeah. The Porsche wasn't too much to handle, huh? No, no, no. That was a red, <laughs> a red 928. That thing was sweet. And I, I almost burned the engine out trying to get to the airport. So that's a no, good that, day. That's a yeah, good day. It was, it was a great day. Yep. Well, hey, Stephen Bardo, hey, appreciate you uh, telling us a little bit about your story and, and breaking down Illinois a little bit for us. We'd love to catch up down the line, man. But uh, everyone, check out Bardo's breakdown. Stephen, appreciate the time, man. All right. Thanks a lot, Jeremy. I appreciate it. All right. Great stuff from Stephen. The one thing I always appreciate about Stephen and, uh, I don't know if everybody likes it, but it's, it's his honesty. Uh, he's an open book, man. And uh, I appreciate that about him because a lot of us probably aren't uh, in this business at certain times, but uh, Stephen tells you how he feels and, and what he thinks and, and his vantage point. And 
uh, you can take it for what you want, but I, I always appreciate it from my end. Uh, that's for sure. Uh, but great stuff on Illinois, great stuff on his career. I found it fascinating and I hope you did too. If you want to see our interview on YouTube, you can do that. Check out Bardo's breakdown on YouTube as well. Steven's been building that thing up and doing a really good job. Great to get his insight and other players insight, broadcasters insight up there on YouTube. If you want to check that out and of course, give us a follow wherever you get your podcast, give us a like rating review, uh, that helps us out and uh, check out all the latest Illini content at IlliniInquire.com. I got a big mailbag coming up. Of course, Derek with his preview and picks coming up. And of course, Lou Goody uh, will be back with Illinois. At least he'll be in uniform. How much he plays, um, how big of a role he plays, when he plays, like all that to be determined. But Brad Underwood said he was cleared on Thursday, uh, practiced, and uh, he will be in uniform at Iowa. So we'll see how that goes. Certainly better to have Luke Goody available than not. Uh, go back to the previous podcast, Michael Tulip and I talked about what expectations uh, will be for Luke Goody when he returns. I thought he gave really good insight on that. All right, everybody have a great weekend. Take care of each other. Enjoy the Iowa game. We'll talk to you next time on the Illini Enquirer podcast. Bye, everybody.